Since 2012, American Field has been the go-to resource for brands big and small to connect with consumers across the country. In 2020, we took to the airwaves, connecting you to makers and doers from wherever you're listening. I'm Lucas Fitz from Small Hand, inviting you to join me in learning the stories behind my favorite brands in the AF network, from the mouths of bright entrepreneurs from coast to coast. Welcome to AF Fireside. Hey there, welcome back to AF Fireside. I feel like I am always recording these on the coldest mornings or afternoons in New England. It's a little too late in the season to have the heat on, uh, but I'm thinking warm thoughts as I look forward to going back to Austin, Texas for the second time in my life for the second American Field event that we're doing there this coming May. Uh, and to kick off getting ready for that uh, that event, our next mini series is gonna feature a few brands that are coming along to the Hill Country Hoedown with us. Kicking off that series, I'm really excited to welcome a good friend of mine, Bronte Treat, who runs Lunchroom Anxiety, one of my favorite chain stitching operations in the country. Bronte, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Lucas, for having me. It's so exciting to be here. And I'm really looking forward to the event in Austin. You have amazing brands coming. Yeah, it's looking up. it's looking like it's going to be pretty awesome. Every time I, I check the roster every week or so, um, and I keep seeing new names that I'm excited to spend money with come May. <laughs> um, tell me this before we even kick off. Last time I was in Austin was in October. October in New England is like prime time. And it was so freaking hot <laughs> in, in Austin. Um, I wore like my my heaviest, heaviest jeans for our really sweaty loadout of the event. Is, yeah. is May going to be better or is May hot too? May's hot too. Ooh. We basically have... 10 months of summer and two months of fall here in Texas. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe that would have been better if I was there now where it's so freaking cold here, but yeah. I'll, just, I'll just have to pack, pack accordingly. Hot. We can expect a hundred degree weather. It's not my favorite, but <laughs> nevertheless, you're used to it. You were saying before we hit record that you are born and raised in Texas. I am. Yes. From San Antonio. Um, I went away for a bit. I spent some time in New York, which is where my sisters lived for a long time. One of them still lives there. And uh, I went to school in college. I mean, I'm sorry. I went to college in Austin. And Congratulations. Then yeah. <laughs> cool. And then I returned to San Antonio. Yeah. Very cool. So what, what does it mean to you to be from Texas? What, what part of the Texas identity resonates with you? I think like many people growing up here, well, I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of person you are. For me, the experience sure. of growing up in Texas and specifically San Antonio was always that um, it was kind of a, a boring place, you know, like okay. many people experience growing up like, oh, I want to leave where I'm from. Then having traveled around more and spending time in Austin, which is so different from San Antonio, um, I think I started to see San Antonio in such a different light. It really is um, at such an interesting point in not just like the national scale but especially texas in particular it's a really really sweet spot for creatives to live because mm -hmm. the the cost of living is actually affordable and we have um a robust but also small community and everyone's very open to being collaborative with each other which i think is really special and important so coming back here i've um felt really lucky to be from here and have roots with my family, but then also be discovering it um, from a totally different perspective. Very cool. Yeah, that um, 
seems like a pretty interesting phenomenon that you've tapped into there where you're able to reimagine the place that you came from. I don't know very many people that can say that. It has significantly changed though. Mm -hmm. I will say that, you know, in the past 10 years, there have been a lot of new um, neighborhoods popping up, new corporations moving in that I think it's at this sweet spot where there is investment in the city. Sure. It's a lot of place where people like myself and artists can live and work with those corporations as well. Hmm. Do you think that that is sustainable? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> is that another way of saying no? <laughs> I think it depends on intention, right? Like I think thus far there have been um, people I can think of that have relocated their corporations here from Los Angeles, from Chicago, and have been really interested in the grassroots movement of marketing and artists and have mm -hmm. really done their work to reach out to people in the community and pour, put their corporate dollars behind the art um, and you know have that sense of like, we don't want to change what's here, we want to help what's here and grow what's already here. We can only hope that there are always those types of corporations that are moving to San Antonio, but mm -hmm. I think that is an, you know, a very positive way of thinking about it. I think the bonus of San Antonio is that it has a really, really large scale in terms mm -hmm. of physical space. Um, so if we're thinking about, you know, our neighbors an hour up the road in Austin, they had a very little space to work with from the beginning. Sure. San Antonio, thankfully, is a really, really large city. Okay. Cool. So you got time. You got some time. <laughs> cool. Well, tell me a little bit about about what uh, projects you're working on and about the brand as a whole. M maybe the place to start for folks that have never heard of chain stitching before. If you could give a really high overview of, of what the art is and how you got involved in it. Sure. Yeah, let's start there. So um, chain stitch started in 1860 in Paris. And uh, one of the first machines was called a Cornelli machine. And it really revolutionized the industry because before that everything was done with a single needle and thread, which as you can imagine is a very time consuming task. Sure. Which is actually how I started getting into embroidery. I did things by hand. Oh, okay. Um, so when that was invented, it really revolutionized how quickly things could be produced, um, how similarly things could be produced. Um, and you can imagine, you know, production houses in Paris at that time, like packed full of, of chain stitch machines. Mm -hmm. And essentially the machine, although it's a machine is still handmade. So the pedal, which my foot controls, controls how quickly the machine moves. So how quickly the needle moves. And then beneath the machine, there's a, um, a hand crank that either it, it only works at um, a clock or um, yeah, a clock direction. And mm -hmm. that controls which direction the needle is moving. So okay. essentially the whole, the whole craft is um, me guiding the needle to create whatever picture or drawing that we've made. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you, you started on a very technical note with the exact day and time that this starts. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you another technical question that you might not know the answer to. But when would you say was the last like significant technical evolution of your trade? Because it seems like once the, the, every chain stitch machine I've ever seen looks like it's about to fall apart because it's been a, yeah. around for 150 years. Of course it's not, <laughs> but sewing machines are just like that where they're just like, 
they all look so, so old. My mom is an upholster. So I grew up with like really huge industrial setting machines in our house and they all looked like they had come across the Oregon trail. When, when has, has it always been the same or is this an art that keeps evolving? Um, the machine actually hasn't changed. So since the Cornelli, then singers started making chain stitch machines mm -hmm. and really the actual mechanics of the machine have not changed. So, wow. and the particular machine I use is from 1927. So it is almost a hundred years old wow. uh, and it still works like beautifully just because things produced at that time were produced very differently. It's made, yeah, sure. it's made the last and you do have to take care of it. Anyone that uses a chain stitch machine knows how much you have to oil it more than mm -hmm. an average machine because there's so much tension in the machine um, with all of the gears. But I would say not necessarily a change in the mechanics, but certainly a change in um, the trajectory of chain stitch was with the nudie suit. Okay. So nudie was um, a Ukrainian immigrant who moved to Los Angeles in the 40s i believe and he brought with him from europe a bunch of chain stitch machines and he started dressing all of the stars in los angeles um john and nashville johnny cash dolly parton graham parsons and he really popularized the super ornate suits that we see that when you think of chain stitch all of the rhinestones all like the yeah. whole pants and jacket covered in totally chain stitch, just like the super ornate lookers that is really coming back into style. You see Post Malone, you see mm -hmm. Midland. My, gra my grandma wears jeans like that from really? Dress Barn. Yeah, That's big, crazy. like bedazzled, embroidered. <laughs> She's a bit of a cowgirl. Yes, a bedazzled. <laughs> yeah. Um, he really popularized that. So when we think about, and I think he completely changed the way that we think about the style of country music specifically now of course rap artists and pop artists everyone's sort of wearing it but um that really golden era of country music in yeah. the united states was dressed by nudie and that's what we think of when we think of chain stitch hmm. so the style that you uh that you've kind of attached to in your career where does that fall in terms of like evolution from from the, cause I feel like the the style that you see attached to like the world that I'm in of de denim and heritage workwear is a derivative, but, but not exactly the same. Absolutely. Where where yeah. do you fall? Where do you fall in there? Yeah, I think the beautiful thing about chain stitch is that it's handmade. So from the original, you know, drawing or conception of something to how someone executes it um, mm -hmm. is really dependent upon the artist who's making the chain stitch. Um, our designs specifically are definitely a riff on um, traditional Western wear. I think mm -hmm. that um, when you look at a lot of people that chain stitch, you can kind of see even by like region, like California has such a style, Texas has a style, New Yorkers have a style when they chain stitch. I would say we're a little bit between California and Texas. Um, okay. It's like that more playful Western um cosmic wear and not necessarily like traditional things you would see in Texas, like landscape or mm -hmm. um, hyper realism. It's much more playful than that. Totally. Where, where on this like kind of multi-axis graph that we're making, where does like the traditional tattoo style come in? Like where, where is the overlap there? Cause I feel like those two, at least in my mind, go hand in hand. I might be totally not based in fact, but is there an overlap? Between our designs and, and traditional? Yeah. Design? or you're saying like the style of tattooing um 
yeah, where those styles meet is, is there like a, in your experience or to your knowledge, is there a intersection there? That's a really good question. Um, I would Cause I like, when I, when I see that you post a sheet of here are things that I'm chain stitching, that's like, that's yeah. a tattoo flash sheet to me. For sure. Yeah. There is definitely a, a connection between that, especially when we're doing live events, which is another big part of what we do is actually bringing the, the chain stitch machine with us and, um, doing things live at, at different stores and mm -hmm. we'll create like a smaller flash sheet of, of little icons, like similar sure. flash tattoos, right? Things that you can do quickly enough that you can do, you know, multiple people um, mm -hmm. in an hour. There's definitely a connection between, between that. And stylistically, I'm, I'm definitely not of the like traditional American uh, tattoos. Mm -hmm. but yeah in terms of like this is a flash sheet these are designs you can choose totally. from yeah so so more related in like uh approach and logistics yeah. than in actual here it's interesting um so how did you get involved how did how did you decide this is what the thing you were going to do yeah um i don't want to say it was random but it Most was sort of random yeah, yeah <laughs> i um <laughs> i went to school for um rhetoric specifically i studied poetry Okay. And I, while I was in college, just picked up um, embroidery just as a way to relax, I guess, just something, something to do when I was studying or, you know, hanging out. And I um, just really enjoyed it. And I knew that it was too slow to make a living off mm -hmm. of because it's a single needle and thread. It takes hours and hours. Yeah. Like a jacket I made covered one time took, you know, hundred hours to make or something wow. it's not so then I was like well how can I do this more quickly but still honor the art of doing things by hand and so then I stumbled upon chain stitch I had no idea what it was prior to that I'd never heard of nudie suits mm -hmm. um I didn't know any of the popular people doing it at the time um and I actually went to Mario who owns Richter Goods he makes American made shirts and I said I have this idea I think I want to chain stitch. I was like, I don't really know what it is mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know how to do it. And he was like, I think that's a great idea. You should buy the machine and I'll give you a little spot in the studio and, and figure it out. So I sourced a machine and I brought it to the studio and he happened to have a vintage um, singer table that the machine just fit right in. That's not random. Yeah. One thing. Check. <laughs> cool. And then, you know, we're, we're looking at the machine. I find the, I source the original manual. So that's what I'm mm -hmm. working from. So I'm just reading the original manual, figuring out the parts of the machine. Wow. And um, the handle that I talked to you about earlier that, it, my, that my hand controls the direction was missing. And we were like, probably doesn't matter. You know, maybe not the most important part of the machine. <laughs> like the most important part. Sure. So I sourced all the missing parts. Long story short, it really takes me three months to figure out wow. how the machine works, how to thread the machine, um, oiling it to the point of it actually working, changing the mechanics of it, getting the you know correct timing. There are all these tricks on you know how the machine is um, threaded and to make sure that the needle doesn't drop the thread, right? It's like mm -hmm. very, very time-based. It has to be completely synced to actually work. So that takes me three months, um, which I think was the most rewarding part of what I've done. Like the machine really was the gatekeeper 
to being able to even start the process yeah. of learning how to chain stitch. And um, that was just something I never thought I was interested in, but I really fell in love with the mechanics of machines and the mechanics mm. of this machine in particular, and like just getting my hands dirty and, and figuring all of that out was such a rewarding puzzle that, and you have to do it every time. Like I just got my second machine and I was like, oh, this will be a breeze. Like I know how it works now. And this one has completely different issues that I have to hmm. figure out. Um, so I think that is one of the most beautiful parts about the craft is that they are these old machines that even though they're built really, really well, they still have to be fixed to be operational. Um, and, and that being like, even the first barrier into entry is a really interesting part of the craft. Yeah. Well, I, there's the art of figuring it out is kind of its own thing. Yes. You know, even, even when you, when you opened up the second one and said, yeah. Oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it's going to be. <laughs> it, it probably was easier than it could have been because you had yes. done it before already. I think that's, that's part of the chase for me. It's part of the, hunt. it was Some, much, sometimes <laughs> much faster. It did not take me three months, but it certainly had different issues. And I think also that, you know, machines tend to like wear to the user. Mm -hmm. um, like you can feel what type of person was sitting at that machine. And I think that mm -hmm. like this one, the person that used it was just very different than the person that used my other machine. And this machine is used to that user and you sort mm -hmm. of have to like wear it in to, to feel your own body. It's very strange, but. Huh. Sounds like, um, you remember the blue people avatar? like you had like their aliens that they would ride and they had to connect yes. their tails it's like that right that sounds like exactly what you're trying to describe there I, we're one with the machine yeah one with the machine that's like i guess it. the more the more uh technical way of saying that really so was. so what has come of the collaboration uh with richter goods I and mean, we had mario on the podcast a while ago we've heard yeah. heard about the brand um how where where does lunchroom anxiety exist in the same sphere as richter goods and and how is it different yeah. Well, I mean, in a very literal sense, Mario and I share a studio. So mm -hmm. we are, are constantly creating around and with each other. Um, I feel really, really grateful to be sharing a space with someone that actually makes garments because one of the challenges with chain stitch is that you can't necessarily chain stitch um, something unless you're chain stitching a panel, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, pants, for example, you would, if someone had a pair of pants, they wanted me to chain stitch, we'd have to take the whole garment apart, wow. chain stitch it, and then put it back together because the pant, you know, the pant leg wouldn't actually fit under the machine. You would be closing the pant while you chain stitched. Sure. So, that would not work. I mean, it, it would be like nice for a wall, not nice sure. to wear. Sure. Ineffective. <laughs> yeah, very ineffective. So the beautiful part, I mean, America made clothing and specifically what Mario does, which is, um, you know, men's shirting inspired by Western wear, sort of a oh, modern yeah. take on that with chain stitch is very peanut butter and jelly. Um, and the other benefit is that we can really produce any garment that we're imagining because we have the benefit of making everything in house. He can give me a panel that we cut, I chain stitch it, and then we put it back into production and actually make the garment. So there are no barriers in terms of what clothing we would want to produce, which is really mm -hmm. exciting. Um, we just finished a really large project with high hospitality in um, they're sort of, they're mostly in Austin, but they're in Denver, Houston, Dallas, um, Austin, and they own really high-end sushi restaurants like Uchi Uchiko. Oh, 
Cool. And um, we, they just opened their 10th restaurant in Houston and as um, a gift to their staff, we made them different. Um, they had two options, a chore jacket or a really beautiful selvage shirt with different chain stitch on it. And like we were talking about earlier, we made like a flash sheet for them to choose from. Cool. Um, so that was the biggest project that Richter Goods and I have done wow. together. I gotta ask, was it like sushi flash? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, there's a little sushi, an octopus, um, a little like cat who's a chef. I love yeah, it. A bunch of different so options. Cool. It was so very cool. <laughs> very, very, very cool. Um, so do you have a hand in like actually manufacturing the shirts as well? Is are you do you do the, that kind of sewing or is chain stitching like if you do that, that's what you do? Yeah, I just chain yeah. stitch. Um sewing and chain stitching are completely different. Like yeah. we have in the studio expert seamstresses who are making the Richter Goods garments. And if I, you know, was like sit down at the chain stitch machine, they'd be like, What's that? And vice versa. Sure. I can't, yeah very very different skills i i'm mostly focused on chain stitching because i still have a long way to go in terms of of producing the types of things i want to be producing that's the mm -hmm. other great thing about it is there's so many you know so many skilled people chain stitching um and i think it's one of those things that the, you just get better and better the longer you totally. do it more and more skills yeah yeah could you could you make a guess on a number of how many chain stitchers like in the market, not, not like people that can do it, but if I was looking to get something custom chain stitched, mm -hmm. how many, how many options do I have in the U S less than a hundred? Yeah. Less than a hundred. Definitely. I, right. Yeah. yeah. I would say, um, 30. Yeah. I, that I made the list sounds about right. And I always, I of course try and follow everyone I find that, that chain stitches, but mm -hmm. yeah, I would say 30 people chain stitch yeah. in the United States. And there's certainly people abroad that do it as well. Sure. Do you, mm -hmm. So it, what can you say about the industry being competitive? I'm not going to try to make any guesses or any assumptions, but is it a competitive world? I have found it to be a very friendly world. Yeah. Um, Everyone, you know, I try and meet the people in the industry as well. If I know that they're somewhere doing a live event or, mm -hmm. you know, over social media, everyone I've encountered has been very kind and giving with their knowledge and even giving with their jobs. You know, if some people are asked to do something and can't do it, they'll be like, do you want this? Do you want me to connect mm -hmm. you with a person? Cool. I think it's such a small industry and such a niche industry that um, I don't know. I think that most people that are doing it are doing it for the love of keeping an, an art that's could be a very dying art. And yeah, yeah. they're in a large number, but it is large considering the the age of the machines and the age of the craft. I think we're, we all have a common goal of, of keeping totally. things made here and keeping a craft alive. And, and sh that has to do with sharing knowledge and sharing information. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way of looking at it. It's also not, it, it's not like um, everyone's work is exactly the same. No. Everyone is, at least everyone that I know. And I think if, if there are 30 people, I probably know 10 to 15 of them and everyone's different. And if I, I, if I really worked at it, I could probably identify, oh, this is lunchroom anxiety. This is somebody else. Yeah. 
Yeah, stylistically is different and, you know, people's business models are different. Like some people make money through corporate accounts. Some people make money through live events. Some people make money through custom clothing. Like there are all Mm -hmm. these different things that you can do. And I think not only stylistically, people are very different, but also in terms of their bread and butter can be very different as well. Totally. So for folks that are coming out to the Austin event, what can they expect from you? Uh, What can they expect to see? Yeah, so Richter Goods and I will be sharing um, a tent at this event in Austin. So we'll have a ton of um, American-made shirts, mostly pearl snaps, um, beautiful fabrics. We'll have some new stuff we're bringing out because of that weather, that 100-degree weather. Cool. (laughs) Wearable things. And then we'll also have the chain stitch machine with us. So I'll have Pat patches for sale, larger pieces that can go on the back of garments or the front, but then we'll be doing the shirts live also. So there'll be options to pick from designs like a flash cool. sheet there and have that shirt um, made right in front of you, as well as monograms um, and some other things that, I, that I'm still working on. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. I have this problem when I go to these events and most American fields that I've been to have had a chain stitcher at this point. And I've walked into tattoo shops and said, yeah, I don't give a shit, whatever, whatever you want, but I can never decide with a chain stitch. (laughs) For some reason, it's like, that is so much more permanent feeling to me. It's like so so much more of an important decision than something that goes in my body. So I'm starting to think about it now. Yeah. Start thinking about it now. I'll send you options. So you have more time Cool. to decide. I love it. I I, I have a, um, a business that I work with pretty closely around here. That's a a catering company and their thing, they all wear jumpsuits. They all wear like union suits. And I'm like the only one that doesn't have one. Um, So I need to just like go get like a Dickies jumpsuit and I want to get it like totally chain stitched. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do the whole thing. So maybe it would mean I have to bring a, bring a check back but because i'm not going to wear that on a plane but <laughs> either way when i get around to that i'll save you an arm amazing yes yeah, awesome you an arm. i love it so for folks that aren't going to make it to austin uh where is the best place to keep in touch with you and learn more about the brand yeah instagram lunchroom anxiety or our website which is lunchroomanxiety.com awesome Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We'll see you so soon in May and cannot wait to get some stuff. I know. I'm so <laughs> Thinking excited. about it now. Thank awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. <laughs>